0: It's in the power of Christ we stand this morning. Amen. Amen. That is by far one of my favorite songs. Um, amen. Carrie's um, too. I think she put. I think she put Tommy up to that. It's all right if she did. Happy Mother's Day today. Today, over the years, Mother's Day has taken many different forms for me, and the reason it's taken many different forms for me is because I have one who's been blessed by many moms, many moms in many different ways. And over the years, I've learned that Mother's Day, while it is a joyful day for some, it's not always so joyful. But at the same time, it's a day that I've chosen not just to celebrate mothers, but I've chosen to celebrate women. Women are not celebrated enough. They are a gift to every single one of us. Half of us would not have on matching outfits right now if it wasn't for them. But at the same time, I do want to recognize mothers. But I want to recognize the different forms of mothers. And to do this, I'm going to ask that every woman in this congregation, I don't care how old you are, if you're five years old, I would like to ask every woman in this congregation to stand my heart for you this Mother's Day. To those who gave birth this year for the first time, we celebrate with you. To those who lost a child this year, we mourn with you. To those who are in the trenches with little ones every day and wear the badges of food stain and spit up everywhere, we greatly appreciate you. To those who experienced the loss, the miscarriage, failed adoptions, or even children who've run away, our hearts mourn with you. To those who walk the hard path of infertility, fraught with pokes, prods, tears, and disappointments, we walk with you. Forgive us for the foolish things we say. To those who are foster moms, mentor moms, spiritual moms, I think I'm up to 20 now, we need you. To those who have warm and close relationships with your children, we celebrate with you. But for those today who have heartache and distance with their children, we're here with you. To those who've lost their mother this year, our hearts grieve with you. To those who've experienced abuse abuse at the hands of their mother, our hearts break with you. To those who have lived through driving tests, medical tests, and overall testing of motherhood and sanity altogether, we are better for having all of you in our midst. To those who may have had an abortion, today, we remember you and your child on this day. To those who are single and long to be married and mothering their own children, our hearts are with you. To those who are step parents who walk through this complex path, our hearts are grateful for you. To those who envision lavishing love on their grandchildren, yet that dream has not been realized, our hearts are in pain with you. To those who, have, who will be empty nesters this upcoming year, and I know that supplies to some of you, While we grieve with you about this situation, we also rejoice with you, and we know you're rejoicing too a little bit. (laughs) To those who are pregnant with new life, our hearts anticipate with you. This Mother's Day, I want to acknowledge all women as God's gift to every single one of us. Many of you may have not mothered yet the way this world sees it but I see you in all the glory that God has bestowed upon you. And I am so thankful for every single one of you in this room today. God bless you. In honor of Mother's Day, we have chose to take a little bit of a different path. We wanted to do the best that we could to honor mothers and um, it had been brought to my attention. Are we going to do flowers? Are we going to do this? And I'll be honest with you, with the chaos of the last week, my mind hasn't really thought a lot about Mother's Day until we were in a staff meeting on Wednesday morning. And um, that morning I got an email, an email about a situation that's going on at an organization, a nonprofit that is dear to many of our hearts. And we wanted to do what we could to help this organization. Many organizations were hit hard over the last two years, and inflation continues to hit them even harder. And one of those nonprofits that I'm talking about is the Georgia Baptist Children's Home. So in honor of every mother, every woman here today, all the offering that is taken up, the general offering that is taken up today will go straight to the Georgia Baptist Children's Home to minister to these kids in a time that they need it the most. For all those who are given, I want to thank you for your generosity. I, I'm going to be honest with you. I, I look at reports on a daily basis and I'm amazed by what God's doing through your generosity. And we were talking about it, me and an individual were talking about it this year, this week one of the finance committee about how God has blessed us and I truly believe with all my heart God has blessed us because we have chose to bless others and we're going to continue to bless others and today mothers, women, in honor of you you will be blessing over 360 children with the Georgia Georgia Baptist Children's Home so thank you mothers thank you women for all that you do (laughs) This week, we're going to continue on with our study, and we're going to be going on through a... We're going to talk a little bit about mothers today. We're going to talk about reproduction, but we're going on with our study about what the church is meant to do. And we've been trying to keep this as simple as possible because I want you to remember this. We even come up with corny hand signs. I love them, and I love making you do them. So, if you will, remember... Jesus has given three directions for his church. These three directions are up, out, in. And as we are going up, out, in, we are to always be doing two things. We are to be reaching and serving. We are so corny. (laughs) And I love it. And you know what? You know what's funny about it? You're going to remember it later on down the road, you're going to remember this. You may not remember any of my sermons, but you're going to remember the day the pastor did the Macarena for five weeks straight in the pulpit. But we've also challenged you that we will be reading through this scripture. And the reason I want you to read through this scripture with me is because I want this scripture to become part of who you are, because this is part of who we are. This is Jesus' command to his church in Matthew 28. Read it along with me. But the eleven disciples proceeded to Galilee, come on, to the mountain which Jesus had designated. When they saw him, they worshiped him, but some were doubtful. And Jesus came up and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them all to observe all that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Y'all pray with me. Father, this morning... Still, that song is still getting to me, Lord, because it's in Christ alone that we're able to come to you this morning. It's in Christ alone that we have strength to make it from day to day. It's in Christ alone, Lord, that we find our value. And it's in Christ alone that we have grace and mercy that is given to each of us. And Father, we're so thankful for that this morning. We're so thankful for the mercy and the grace that you have put on us, that we did not deserve. This morning, Lord, we're also thank- we're also thankful for all women, mothers of every life stage. They are a gift to us, and Father, they too are created in your image. And I'm so thankful, Lord, for the mothers that you have put in my life. I'm thankful for my birth mom, really am. But I'm also thankful for the many spiritual moms that you've given me throughout the years. They have been a true blessing to me. And today, even this morning, as I woke up and remembered a couple of them, I'm a better man for having all these women in my life. And I thank you for that. But I also thank you for this direction that you've given us as a church, Lord. You didn't leave us just to try to figure things out, to guess what we needed to do. You gave us a clear, direct direction for us to take as we move forward as your church. And this morning, Lord, as we look at reaching out, I pray, Lord, that you would help us to put aside all the things that we may have thought before about what evangelism is. And I pray that you would help us to see it through your eyes. Father, again, thank you for all that you've done for us. Give us eyes to see, ears to hear, and a heart to understand what the word of God has for us this morning. It's in your precious name I do humbly pray. Amen. Today we're going to talk about reaching out. Poro matheteo is what was said from Jesus to the disciples. Some of you thought I was speaking in tongues, didn't you? I heard heard some of y'all Poro matheteo is the words that Jesus said to his disciples. The reason I wanted you to hear these words is because I want you to understand something. Poro matheteo is very direct on what it is talking about. Poro means go, to lead, to lead over, to carry over, to transfer, to pursue the journey one has entered, to continue, to depart from life. To follow one and become an inherer, Mathiteo, to be a disciple of one. To follow his precepts and instructions. To make disciples and teach and instruct. Poro Mathiteo. The translation from go make disciples to Poro Mathiteo loses nothing in translation. It's one of those words that we don't have to think about what the Greek may have been talking about here. It's not one of those that we have to look for underlying ideas. It is a very direct command that Christ has given his church. And it's a direct command that he given specifically specifically to his disciples, the ones who follow him. As you can see, there's nothing lost in the translation. In all of us, though, there exists a desire. A desire to reproduce. That desire, desire is especially strong in a woman. A woman desires to reproduce. A woman desires to have children. A woman desires this even stronger when a unity of marriage comes between a man and a woman. This is human reproduction. This is God's design. God's design to fill the earth. In Genesis 1:28, God told Adam and Eve, God blessed them. And God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. After God had sent the flood and purged the whole earth, symbol of baptism that a lot of people don't understand. He told Noah and his family to go, to be fruitful, to multiply, and to fill the earth. Reproduction is what we were designed to do. Reproduction is just as much a part of who we are and what we're designed to do as worship is. But there's one thing we need to really understand about worship as we move forward into reproducing. One key component to worship that a lot of people miss out on is obedience. Without true obedience to what God has called us to do, we truly can't worship him. Matter of fact, worship is being obedient and being disobedient is nothing more than idolatry. You are choosing to serve another command. You are choosing to serve a different direction. You are choosing another God over the God that we have. This is idolatry. So as we move forward and talking about reaching out, reaching out, I want you to ask yourself this question. How obedient am I being in worship to God, especially when it comes to the part of reaching out? Verse 19, Jesus has given his disciples their marching orders. He is letting them know that he has a purpose for them. And you know what's amazing is reproduction, human reproduction, brings purpose to our life. It shows that we just don't exist. It shows that there is something greater. There is something absolutely amazing about a newborn baby. There's something amazing about being able to create that life. But there's also something amazing about being able to hold that life. Last night I got to spend some time with the Saunders. And I got to hold Braylon for a minute. They told me if they, I got to hold her for more than 30 seconds, it was, it was amazing. Because she is very attached to her mama and her daddy right now. And she really doesn't like anybody else. I do not know what you did this morning, but how you kept her quiet, it's amazing. But this girl loves her mom and daddy. But at the same time, holding this baby, there's just something magical about it. There's something amazing about it because this is a life that has been reproduced. This is a life that has been given. But this is also symbolic of the life that we are also supposed to be given as disciples. As disciples of God. We are called to reproduce. Just as those words to Adam and Eve and Noah and his family were important, these words to the the disciples are just as equally important. Multiply, reproduce, fill the earth, make disciples of all nations. There's little to be lost in it. The church is commanded to reproduce, And to be productive. This is our command. This is our purpose. This is our goal. While human reproduction comes from a man and a woman. In the proper context. Gospel reproduction comes from its proper context as well. Within his church. We desire to see new life. While the commands are similar, we also have to realize though, the commands are different. Human reproduction in its proper context, let's just be real, it's an exclusive act. An exclusive act means that it's not something that involves everybody. When human reproduction is taking place, it involves a man and a woman. It doesn't involve everybody. It involves a man and a woman. I want to make that very clear. But human reproduction also is inclusive as well. Because while you need a man and woman to reproduce, normally this man and this woman do not come from the same family. I said normally. I said normally. I'm not going to pick at any states or any cultures. Normally, it comes from different families making a child. So human reproduction is both exclusive to a man and a woman as husband and wife, but it is also inclusive involving multiple families. Gospel reproduction is completely different though. Gospel reproduction is a completely inclusive act. And that's something that we don't think about a lot. When we think about gospel reproduction, most of us never even heard of the term till today. But we don't think about what it really means to be gospel reproductive. It means that we are taking what has been given to us and reproducing it in other people. And this has been given throughout all the scripture. Last week, we talked about the woman at the wells. Many uh, many of you know the story about the woman at the well in John chapter 4. Jesus goes to the woman at the well, and they start having this conversation. He's offering this woman at the well, a Samaritan woman, living water, living water. But he also makes it clear to her that salvation comes from the Jews. Understand what's happening here. Samaritan people are people that are not liked by the Jewish culture. They are hated by the Jewish culture. We're going to talk about this a little bit more in a minute. They are absolutely hated by the Jewish culture. They are a mixed breed. They are a mixed race. And people do not like them because they have taken part in things that they shouldn't have. Jesus makes it clear that salvation come from the Jews. Come from the lineage of the Jews. But he also makes it clear that salvation is for everyone. A lot of people think this just come about. That this just come about when Jesus come on the scene. No. No. This has always been God's intent for how the world would receive salvation. If you look back at another book in the Bible, going back to the book of Ruth, I don't know a woman who doesn't love the story of Ruth the story of Naomi and Ruth. You have this woman who is a Moabitist. And if you know much about the Moabitists, they were all supposed to be destroyed. God gave strict commands for every person in Moab to be destroyed. So this is a woman that at one time was supposed to be destroyed. But her being a widow found herself in a desperate situation to where she completely needed God. It just so happened that the man or the family that she was married to had a kinsman, a kinsman by the name of Boaz, a man who became her kinsman redeemer. A Jewish man took a Moabitist wife and brought her, brought her. To a life that she could have never had on her own. What's crazy is if you go back a little bit further. If you go back a little bit further and you look at who Boaz's dad was. Boaz's dad's name was Salmon. Not like the fish, but similar. But Salmon's wife has a pretty unique story of her own. When Joshua was invading the city of Jericho. They sent in spies to check it out. And when these spies went in, they got wind. The people of Jericho got wind that these spies were in there. So they start looking for them. They knock on the door of a woman who lets them in. This woman's a prostitute. I'm not going to cover it up. That's what the Bible says. This woman was a prostitute. She allows them to come in. And she tells them, She tells them that I know who you are. But even more than that, I know who your God is. And I know that your God is great, powerful, and mighty. And because of who your God is, I'm going to take you. And I'm going to hide you. And when they come after you, I'll tell them, I don't know where you're at. The woman's name was Rahab. To repay Rahab for what she had done. The spies told her to put a scarlet cord out of her window. And when they invaded the city, they would not take her. They would not take her or her family. Guess what? Rahab is Boaz's mom. The gospel was never meant to be an exclusive thing for an exclusive group of people. The gospel has always been inclusive of every man, woman, and child that God has ever created. It has been offered to all. It has been received by few. But it is still inclusive to anyone who has breath in their lungs. Gospel reproduction is completely different from human reproduction because it's not exclusive. It's not exclusive. But the problem is, over the years... Church has made gospel reproduction an exclusive thing. We've made it to where we will witness to this group of people. We will minister to this group of people as long as they have not done this. As long as they have not done that. As long as they don't go against anything that we may think, believe, or what the Bible says. But the gospel at its core, was meant for every single individual on this earth. Let me ask you a question. And I really want you to think hard about this. How deserving of the gospel are you? How many of you have lived a perfect life? I was waiting on one of my boys to raise their hand. They're smart. None of us. None of us. None of us can live a perfected life. None of us will this side of heaven ever be a part of a perfect life. We'll always have failures. Even. After we come to the understanding of what the gospel is, even after we come to an understanding of who Jesus is, even after we come to an understanding of what he has done for us, we are still going to mess up. Every single one of us deserves the penalty that comes with sin. That's death. But every single one of us, because of who we believe in and what we believe in, have been given grace. Grace to inherit something that we don't deserve, but we've also been given mercy not to get something that we do deserve. That is the gospel. And that is for everyone. John 3.16 says it clearly. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. When Jesus was talking to his disciples, we cannot just lay it down to a point that he was just talking to these 11. When Jesus was talking to his disciples, he was talking to anyone who would come under the name that we call today Christianity. To go, we have to adhere to where we've been told to go. We become a herit of what we are being told. So to really be a church, we have to be an inclusive group of people. Now don't get me wrong, we're exclusive. Don't get me wrong, we are exclusive. Because of the profession that we've made in Jesus, we are exclusive to heaven. But while we are here on this earth, we are never to be viewed as an exclusive group of people. You know what happens when a church has an exclusive mindset? It becomes a club. It becomes a country club. It becomes a place where a certain group of people can come through these doors, sit, have conversation with one another, love on each other, but that's as far as it goes. But what happens, and I want you to really think about this, what happens if we just minister to the people that's here? You ever thought about that? Where does our growth come from? Well, if we have enough babies, we can fill it up. Yes, absolutely. But at the same time, it was never meant to be that way. It has always been a reaching out with the gospel to continually grow his church. An exclusive club or a church with an exclusive mindset will die within itself. That gospel will go no further than these four walls. That gospel will stay in the compound, confines of these people. And that gospel will benefit nobody but us. But there's one thing I have that really bothers me about this. If we think this gospel is so exclusive to us and us alone... Does that mean Jesus is a liar when he says go make disciples? Or are we the liars? Are we the ones who are being disobedient? But at the same time, if a church takes the command of Jesus seriously to go and make disciples and becomes an exclusive, inclusive church, how many of y'all have ever been on an inclusive vacation? Anybody? When you go on an inclusive vacation, what's withheld from you? Nothing. Everything on the resort. If it's an inclusive vacation, they've got jet skis, guess what? Those are your jet skis. Just don't wreck them. They'll make you pay for them too. Dinners, it's all included. Towels at the pool, all included. This is the same mindset that the church should have. When a person becomes a part of the church, they have access to everything, not just certain things. They have access to everything. When a church becomes an inclusive church, it no longer has a threat of dying within itself, but it has something different. It has the opportunity to grow outside of its walls. This is what gospel reproduction is. And this is what God has called us to do. Jesus, when he gave this command, he was very clear, not only in Matthew 28, but he is also clear in Acts chapter 1. And I want to clarify something. And I've said this before, but the more I've studied this, even more. I've said it, that when Jesus said Matthew 28, those were the last words to the church and I may be wrong on that. Because when Jesus says these words to the church, he is in Galilee. Jesus has not ascended from Galilee. Jesus is ascended from the Mount of Olives. So this may not have been the last time that Jesus said something like this. But in, my, in Acts chapter 1, verses 7 and 8, this is the last time that Jesus says this. And it says, he said to them, It is not for you to know the time or the epochs which the father has fixed by his own authority. I believe the people were Baptist because they were worried about what is to come. They were worried about what was going to happen with the end times. They were worried about what's going to happen with all the things that's going to come about. They were worried about the plagues. They were worried about the famines. They were worried about all these things that we will experience. The earthquake, the darkness, all these things. That's what they wanted to know about. And I want you to listen to what Jesus responds to them. But you. Don't worry about what's to come. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you shall be my witnesses both in Jerusalem and all of Judea and Samaria and even to the remotest part of the earth. When he gives them a direction about where to reach out to, it's pretty specific. The first place he tells them to reach out to is where they are. They're not in Galilee, they're in Jerusalem. They're at the Mount of Olives when he says this. So he is telling them to reach out to Jerusalem. This wasn't hard for them to see. They could look around and they could see where they were to reach out to. Today, it's not hard for us to see our Jerusalem either. One of my favorite places to go is Town Ball. Me and Jennifer, we haven't got to go there a lot since we got kids. Kids mess up everything. Man, they really do. They're, 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 they're a great joy. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. But I love going up to Brasstown Ball. I especially love going up to Brasstown Ball in the fall. Because in the fall, you start getting rid of all the haze. You start getting rid of all the pollen. You start getting rid of all these things. And you can see this crystal clear image of Lake Notley. You can see the four lane going up over... Um, Right past um, Queens Gap. You can see parts of the town. You can't see all of it because the way Town Mountain kind of hides it, but you can see parts of the town. And I love that view because from that view, I can see where God has placed me. And He's placed us in a beautiful place. He's placed us in what I consider to be one of the most beautiful places on earth. I love my hometown. All of you love this place too or you wouldn't have moved here. But do you love this place enough to tell it about the one who created it? Do you love this place enough to tell it about the one who died for it? Do you love this place enough to tell this place that it has a purpose? It has a purpose in gospel reproduction of making him known and singing praises and glory to him. When the disciples are being told, you will be my witness in Jerusalem, they could see Jerusalem. It wasn't hard for them to see it. It was right there. And brothers and sisters, when you leave this place, you are going to see your Jerusalem. You're going to drive by it. Well, Scotty, are you just talking about my town? No, I'm talking about your neighbor's. I'm talking about the houses that you will pass by on the way as you leave here. I'm talking about the houses that you will pass by as you go to work. I'm talking about every bit of this county. Do you love it enough? The next place he tells them, he said, you're be my witness in all of Judea. Judea was kind of like the state of where Jerusalem was. It's not that very, it's not very big. It's not very big at all. Matter of fact, it is very comparable to the size of Georgia when you map it out in acres. Actually, it's a little bit smaller. But it's very similar to what we would see as our state. Being our witness in our state is our responsibility. What broke my heart more than anything was four years ago, South Korea has had this big movement, this big movement of Christianity. It's a revival, guys. It's a revival like never before that I've ever been a a part of or seen. But people are waking up to who God is, to who they are, and to what he saved them from. And they become passionate about it. They become so passionate about it that they are going all over the world and telling people, Telling people about who Jesus is and how much they love him. And in 2018, when they were having one of their big conventions, they named their mission field. What broke my heart more than anything was South Korea named the United States as their mission field. Man. Why should South Korea be having to call the United States their mission field. What's amazing is the same thing happened with the Ukraine. A lot of people were being converted. A lot of people were realizing who Jesus was. And a lot of people from the Ukraine, when they were being attacked, they were over here being missionaries to the people that we're supposed to be missionaries to. That hurts. And it hurts almost as bad as the next one. Because the next group of people he told him to reach out to was the people of Samaria. And a lot of people will say, well, this is talking about the people next to him. This was talking about Alabama. This is talking about North Carolina. This is talking about South Carolina. This is talking about Florida, because God knows Florida needs Jesus. This is talking about Tennessee. Now, let's look at this from a different perspective. The Samaritans and the people from Judea were not people who got along. They weren't people who got along well at all. Matter of fact, there are people who, when they were traveling from Judea to Galilee, which was above Samaria, would cross the Jordan River, walk up the other side of the Jordan River, and then cross back over the Jordan River into Galilee just to keep from entering this pagan, hated place. What Jesus is saying here is a lot deeper than the state next to you or the country next to you. What Jesus is really saying here is you're gonna be my witness to the people that you hate the most. Man, that hurts. Wow. 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 That means I got to be your witness to politicians. Wow. That means I've got to be your witness to people who don't act like me. Wow. That means I got to be your witness to people who've hurt me. That means... I've got to be your witness to people who probably stole from me. People who've talked about me. People who've hated me just as much as I hate them. Man, that's huge. God, how do you expect me? How do you expect me to minister to people that I don't agree with? How do you expect me, Lord, to minister to people that don't act like me? Well, he told them right there before. But you will receive power. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. Jesus didn't expect you to do this on your own. He sent you help. He sent you help to accomplish this mission. What amazed me is the more I was thinking about it with worship. Real quick on worship, we touched on gifts that God has given us to worship him with. And the one thing that I left here with thinking about was in our time when we didn't even know how to worship God, he equipped us with gifts to worship him with. Dang. So I need his help to really worship him. But at the same time, I need his help to really reach out to others as well. And what's funny is we were talking about this. My group was going to talk about it today. Some of your small groups talked about it Wednesday, about being exclusive and inclusive. And I'm going to be honest with you. If everything went my way, I would be an extrovert or an introvert. Sorry. Introvert, really. We got a new dog this week. I love her. I love her more than some people already. She's so cute. She's happy to see me. Take note. Uh, She's happy to see me when I come home. But I love that girl. I've only had her three days. She follows me everywhere. She gives me these little puppy dog eyes. And if I have my way... I would take my family, and I'd move to the furthest part of Suchus. That's the uttermost parts of the earth that it's talking about. (laughs) And I would live on my compound with no internet, with no TV, sorry boys, and we would be happy to ourselves. That's exclusive. That's exclusive because that only applies to a group of people. But what's funny is God has gifted me to be an introvert too. God has gifted me to be outside of myself and loving on people and talking to people and helping people. And you know what? It's really not of me. Just like he gifted me to worship him, he's also gifted me to evangelize. And you know what, that's inclusive. That's an inclusive of every single individual who has ever professed Jesus Christ as savior and king. That is a gift that is given to every single one of you simply because you believed in what he did for you. That is a gift that's given to every single one of you to go and to be his witness in Blairsville in Georgia, in the United States, in the parts of the world that you don't like. That is his gift to you to be able to use you to be a part of reaching the nations for his good and for his glory. And you know what amazes me? If I was God, I'd been a little bit more pickier about who I chose to do this. I'll be honest with you, put me in a lineup, I wouldn't have chose me. I probably wouldn't have chose Tommy either. Sorry, buddy. I love you. But I wouldn't have. I would have chose somebody more equipped. You know what I'm talking about? I would have chose somebody who looked the part. I would have chose somebody who acted the part. I would have chose somebody who had certificate after certificate after certificate. And that's the beauty of who God is. Because when he says he uses the foolish to confound the wise, he's talking about me. Brothers and sisters, he's talking about you. He uses us to do things that we can't do on our own. And the amazing thing about it is, people, you don't save people. He still does. He just wants you to tell him about them. Are you willing to reach out? Are you willing to reach out to the people in your own city? Are you willing to reach out to the people in your own state? Are you willing to reach out to the people that you hate? Are you willing to take this gospel to the uttermost parts of the world. Let's pray. Father, I am so thankful. I am so thankful for the gospel that you've given us. I'm so thankful that you didn't just leave it for some people to have and others just to never know about it. Because if that would have been the case, Lord, there's a good chance that I would have never known. If these disciples had not taken this command to serious to go and make disciples, there's a good chance that none of us in this room would have ever heard about the truth of who you are, of how much you loved us, how much it broke your heart that we separated ourselves from you, but even to what extent you were to go to to bring us back to you. Father, if these disciples had not taken this serious, there's a good chance we wouldn't be here today. So I'm thankful, Lord, for men and women who have seen this as not the great suggestion, but as the great commission. That they didn't just take this as something that they would consider to do one day or another, but they took this so seriously and their hearts were so broken for the people that they interacted with That they couldn't help but tell them about the greatest thing that had ever happened to them. Father, help us to be so bold. Help us to witness to our city. Help us to witness to our state. Help us to witness to the people that we hate. Help us to take this gospel to the world. Because that's what you've called us to do. And that is what gives your church real purpose. Thank you for the gospel reproduction that you've given all of us. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Hey guys, Pastor so Scott Gerard more here. And I just want to say thank you for joining us today. We really hope that this has been a resource that's helped you grow in your purpose for God, but also grow in his glory. We also want to extend an invitation to you to join us here in person at Harmony Grove. We are located at 1008 Town Creek School Road in Blairsville, Georgia. We would love for you to come be a part of our service, to be a part of our small groups. If you have children, we have children's classes on Wednesday night and on Sunday morning. And all this information can be found on our website. We'd also like to continue help you in your growth with Christ. If you have a question, maybe a prayer request, or just need to talk to somebody, you can contact us in the emails below in the description, or you can also contact us through our app and through our website, which are also found in the description below. Again, we hope this has been a blessing to you, because we know that you joining us today has been a great blessing to us. Thank you so much. God bless.